You're a well-respected resilience professional running a global business continuity program for a Fortune 300 company. Things are going well until the organization makes a sudden and drastic move. Your entire resilience team is being let go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of the Resilient Journey podcast presented by the Resilience Think Tank. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and this week I'm joined by yet another Resilience A-lister as industry icon Margaret Millett joins the podcast. In this episode, Margaret walks us through her emotions as she suddenly found herself on the job market. We talk about the importance of not only finding a job, but finding the right job. And it's interesting to learn that Margaret doesn't feel like what happened with her previous employer is an odd one-off. It seems that more and more among us are also looking for work. It's our goal that this episode will inspire and guide others who might find themselves in a similar situation. Margaret, welcome back to the podcast. I was looking it up. I think it was 2022 that you were here last. Like it's been a while. It has been a while, but it's great to be back chatting with you, Mark. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you. Take a minute, just to remind everybody about your background and resilience. Thanks, Mark. Um, I've been doing business continuity planning. This is actually the start of my 30th year in the profession in 2024 and uh, started off working for some of the financial companies in Boston, Massachusetts, had the opportunity to go do continuity planning in Dublin, Ireland. I worked in California and for the past 10 years, I've been in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, working for some Fortune 300 companies, doing some wonderful work uh, with the teams that I have worked with, as well as to make sure that my stakeholders are in a sound position. Yeah. And you started this uh, journey, this resilient journey, if you will, pretty early in your career to be 30 years in because uh, you're not as old as I am. And uh, you look great. And, and we're just happy to have you. <laughs> uh, drink uh, lots of water, Mark. That's some of the secret to my success. Is that what it um, is? Yeah. Um, but I, but I think some of it, it's, it's again, like everybody else, it, it wasn't a calling I thought I was going to have when I got out of college and started my career. It just fell into my lap because we were doing a big office move for one of my first employers, uh, really enjoyed it. And then an opportunity came to do this thing called business continuity and I wanted a change. So I took it and uh, the rest is history. Now, recently, you found yourself kind of suddenly and unexpectedly looking for work. Um, and I appreciate your willingness to to talk to us about that. What we're hoping to do today is to have you share your insights on the situation and maybe inspire or guide others who might find themselves in a similar situation. They might not be in the situation right now, but it might be something that they face at some point. Right. So I guess it's probably an understatement to say that you were really kind of shocked when this happened, right? Uh, for this time, yes, I did not anticipate it, Mark. Uh, I uh, even though I've been, you know, it's, I've heard people call me an icon, and I don't like to use that word, an icon in the profession. But I actually have been through three mergers and acquisitions in my career, and also this is the third time that my position has been uh, moved around, eliminated, uh, that type of thing. And the other times I saw it coming, so mentally, financially, everything, you know, you're able to start to to prepare to get ready for the fact that someday I'm going to find out that today is the day. And in this instance, I did not foresee anything coming um, at my previous employer that we were in jeopardy of not only me, but the entire team being eliminated 
Um, we had been doing wonderful work to ensure our stakeholders were in a sound position with the regulators across the globe. We had been preparing the wrap up of what was occurring in 2023. We were getting ready for 2024 with a budget, a list of what our objectives were, a full exercise calendar. And we were going live with rolling out a business continuity management system to train people on starting the second or third week of the new year. What were your initial thoughts when when you heard the news and like maybe what were some of the emotions that you were experiencing? I think, Mark, for me, it was first like, okay, here we go. It, it's happening again. And I think the thing that was also just concerning is, is when I was uh, informed that the organization wanted to you know, focus on people. And I look at business continuity planning is focusing in on people because I'm a firm believer that your number one asset at an organization are the people. Without the employees, how do you provide customer service? How do you provide the technology? How do you provide so many things? Because they are the people that make the organization run. And without it, you're not going to be successful. And so when they said that they wanted to go focus in on people, I I didn't quite know what that meant. Um, but again, it's one of those where you can't question some of these things. So I just realized there was no going back. Um, and so you just got to realize uh, time to move forward, time to start and think about what's where do you want to go next uh, with you and your career? Did your history in the industry of being in resilience help you with that? I mean, is this another opportunity for you to demonstrate resilience this this time on a personal level? <clears throat> um, I, I will say this. It's a wonderful community that we work in. Um, when I started to let folks know that I was back out in the job market, the support from people like yourself and others, is it's overwhelming the network that we have across the globe of people checking in to say, hey, are you okay? Or forwarding something to you on LinkedIn of like, hey, did you see this job? Um, and so that is really comforting, um, you know, or somebody texting you, those types of things. That is a comfort to know that, People are out there trying to help you because at the end of the day, everybody I know in this profession still needs to continue to get a paycheck. Um, therefore, it's nice that we we rally together to help each other out um, and that people are looking out for me and my best interest. And I know the same is happening for other people on my team who I worked with who are also out looking for work. For me personally, Mark, I think the other thing is, is uh, this happened uh, at the end of the year. So I just hit the pause button on everything that I was doing. Um, I do a lot of volunteering. And I said to the organizations that I was volunteering with, it's like, I I am lightening up a little bit. And as of December 14th, I'm, I'm not going to respond to anything until the first week of January. I just wanted time for me and myself. Um, and then the other thing that I think is important to me personally is just continuing to make sure you have a routine. So it's still get up as normal, get out, take your walk, go for your morning coffee, whatever you do. Um, I also continued on. I do a lot of yoga um, and I did that. But I also took time because like it was like, you know, hey, Mark's in the neighborhood. Let's go have a coffee on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. I did those types of things so I could take care of me. Yeah, and that's really important. And I, and I will say this. I mean, it's just a crappy time of year it, you know what was it mid-december to to have something like this happen i mean that's just that's ridiculous i don't know who would do that i want to go back to um something that you said here about the organization said they wanted to focus on people and somehow that translates to 
disbanding the the business continuity and resilience team did they not see value in the program did they think it was then self-sustainable like do you have any insights on on that I, I don't mark um i i don't because i look at organizations today need to have a business continuity team because of the fact that um many lines of business no matter what type of business you are they have to they are regulated in some fashion whether it be by states countries financial institutions healthcare etc um that you need to have somebody doing business continuity to make sure that they're providing the tools, templates, and methodology so that it's consistent. It's also something that should be part of the audit mind frame that you need to have a business continuity team out there should be part of uh, the executive team. It should be part of the board, making sure that they understand what the state of readiness is because, you know, we can, we can talk about COVID-19 that's over, but there's still a lot of things happening around the world. Like, you know, you look at the people of Japan, they had a terrible start to 2024 um, and that was just within the first two days of the year. Uh, for example, you know, this summer, Paris is hosting the Olympic Games. If your organization has operations there, you're already trying to figure out all the logistics is what's going to happen during those two weeks when the games are live. So I look at it as you do need to have business continuity. Um, and you can't ask a business unit to self-certify when you go tell a regulator or a client like, hey, I've got my plan. I tested it. That doesn't suffice. You need to have somebody there that's really going to be able to do that due diligence on their behalf and making sure that you actually have people who know what business continuity management is. And also then you lose the consistency of having that one solid approach so that if you have to go reporting to executive management, you are reporting apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Yeah, I'm going to go off script here just a minute because I want to go down that path that you started to take us down and talk about articulating value of the program to the executives and to the board and things like that. And I guess it's a little bit easier in organizations that are regulated or in organizations where their customers are demanding that they have business continuity. Yeah. But what's your recommendation for organizations where either the board or the executive leadership team is just indifferent and just doesn't understand the significance of having a business continuity or resilience program in place? Mark, I, I'm going to say that's a tough one. And, and I'm going to say this because, you know, when I was at my previous employer, I specifically took them on a journey to help them understand. I spent a lot of time helping them understand what business continuity is, what it means, and why we need to have it as it relates to the regulators around the globe. Because my previous employer had different rules and regs that they needed to adhere to based on where they had operations. So it wasn't, you know, everybody was the vanilla flavor. It was, there's the vanilla, but then they've added on all these other toppings to make it more unique. And, and you've got to suffice certain things for various parts of the world. And so I talk about that journey to help them understand that you do need to have a risk assessment, a business impact analysis. You need to have a plan. You need to make sure it's exercised. You need to make sure that it's updated annually and that that it is exercised every year might not need to be this robust exercise, but you need to make sure that you can tell a regulator that you've done something in that year. And then the other thing that I was trying to get them teed up on is like, let's try and figure out is, is October the month that a regulator is going to come knocking on the door? Um, if so, let's mm. figure out if that's been the cadence in the past, let's get things ready. Because then if they're going to come every October, let's get everything updated by July 1st. So it looks like we're ahead of the curve. There's nothing worse, in my opinion, if a regulator is walking in the door on October 1st that we've 
inked everything as of September 30th. It looks like, oh, we just got that in under the wire. Um, and so that's where I try and look at them. And also I would prepare them so that we could figure out what was happening with the next round of regulations or a client that was coming in so that we could make sure that we had everything in place. And the other thing is, is as you know, Mark, there are so many new rules and regulations that are on the horizon. I was working with those lines of business to make sure that for the new legislation that was coming down the road, that we were going to be ready to go live with it or if there was a curveball that came our way that we had a strategy to say we're aware of it we're working on it and this is when we're going to complete the requirements to be um saying that we have completed everything for that rules and reg so what i like about what you just said there margaret is that on the surface it sounds like you did everything that you could have done in this situation you know what i mean um it's uh it's very important for our colleagues to be fully integrated uh, in the organization right. and to also have a, a forward-looking eye uh, looking on the horizon to understand what is coming right so that because too too often we think of our profession as being reactive oh something bad happened now we have to do something but that's not it we have to be proactive we have to be thinking ahead for it don't we we do we do and and it takes a village mark because if you're working for a global organization that operates in numerous countries, you cannot expect to be knowledgeable of every new piece of legislation that's coming. So that's where you need those stakeholders in those countries to be in tune as to what's happening locally so they can come to you and bring forward that there is something new. Then you can take the time to do the deep dive to explore it. You know, like, for example, many countries are going to have to adhere to uh, DORA next year. So what is it that if you have to meet those requirements... Are you ready to be saying, I have checked the boxes for all the requirements to go live with Dora? Can you talk a little bit about Dora? Because uh, I don't know if, uh, if too many people are, are aware of what that is. Sure. So Dora is the Digital Operational Resilience Act, and it's a new piece of it's, it's a legislation that um, was introduced in, in Europe. And so many European countries are going to have to make sure that they have an operational resilience framework um, already in place and it's based on basically looking at things digitally so there's things that are being looked at i know that they were still defining all the requirements um, that organizations needed to make sure that they could be compliant with it um, but it basically it's making sure that they can do things financially um, and that there's training that's gone taking place that there's testing that they've looked at risk uh, and also the other thing is is really making sure that organizations understand their third-party risks Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, you used the term earlier. You said uh, icon. You said you don't like it when people call you that. Too bad. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> you, you are. You, you are an industry icon. I mean, you just won a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I know that you've continued to develop your skills professionally throughout your career. Doesn't that foundation have to give you some confidence as you look ahead, though? It gives you confidence, but it also can make you stop in your tracks, Mark. I've had people forward jobs to me um, since this all occurred. And, um, you know, some of them, I look at what the, the skill sets are and then what the salaries are, and it's not quite where I want to be in my career, meaning it's a little lower than what I'd like to be. So I think the thing that I would tell people is you do have to be patient when you're out in the job market, um, because you want to take the job that's right for you. Um, and therefore sometimes that is being patient and also, in this day and age of AI, it's also just making sure you're spending the right amount of time on your resume and your cover letter to make sure that it's going to filter through. 
Um, but for me also, Mark, it's, it's making sure that I'm, I do get worried. Um, I know I'm going to land on my feet. My, my saying is, is the best is yet to come uh, for my mm-hmm. next gig. Um, but, you know, it is concerning as to like, how long will it take? You know, the recession, you just heard yesterday that a lot of big companies uh, are laying off people. So I just, when I read those news line headlines, I, I do cringe a little bit like, oh, will I get a job that I want at the level I want um, doing things of running a global program? Um, and so that's where, I'm confident that I will get there, but it, it's just waiting to see what starts to unfold. Um, as you said, it's January. Do I have to wait more till Q2 for the right job to come before me because people might be waiting for the bonuses to get paid out, those types of things. Um, mm. But I, I'm confident it'll get there. It's just, you do have to be patient. And I'm human, Mark. I have good days and I have bad days, just like everybody else. Um, and uh um, but I also don't want to just take a job just for the sake of taking a job. I'm, I'm not at, at that point where I am. I'm desperate to go get one. You mentioned certain aspects of the next opportunity that are important to you. And one of the things I wanted to ask you was what advice would you give to uh, others who might be in this situation? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of combine those two thoughts together now and ask the question this way. Is it advice that you would give to people to say, make a list of the things that are important to you on the job and maybe identify some things that are must-haves and some things that maybe are optional? I mean, how do you perceive that? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say this, Mark, like I, I, I moved a lot personally, uh, you know, physically moved to, to take jobs um, in my younger days. And now for me, it's important that I don't have to move. Um, but I can tell you that for some people having to relocate is something that's on the table. And I think the most important thing that I always tell people when they start and decide what they want to do for selecting the next company they want to go work at, you're right. You do have to put together your list and it's not just pros and cons. It's looking at the financial aspect of taking a position because what are the job duties? What are they asking you to do? How much travel is involved? Because for every time that you have to get on a plane, that's time away from your family. Um, If you have to then incur additional expenses, say for pet care or child care, uh, what are the costs of your benefits from one employer to the other? How much vacation time do you get? What is the salary? And if you're relocating, what is the cost of living? Um, you know, for example, I lived in California. I lived in um, outside the Bay Area. Well, that's one of the most expensive areas in the world almost. And so looking at a one-bedroom apartment in Raleigh compared to San Francisco, of course, is going to be dramatically more expensive. And, you know, the beauty of today also is you can go find a local grocery store, go put your weekly food order in at a new grocery store and figure out whether it's costing you $25 more or less. Um, And I think these are the things that you need to start and understand and then also determine are you okay being away from your family? Are you okay going out and making new friends and and all these things? Um, and if you really enjoyed where you were, what's it like? And I think the other thing that people still need to realize is, um, you know, with COVID coming to an end, the, the hybrid way is the future, um, that people are being asked to be in the office two to three days a week. Um, so you might have to think about what are your commuting expenses going to be in this new location and is there parking, et cetera? Um, or do you just hold out for a job that's remote, realizing that you may have to take a little bit less, but yet you gain more because you are at home. So it's, it's the give and yeah. take. 
It's yeah, a give the, and take. It, the, it offsets, it balances out uh, in some cases, or it might. And right. it's something, something to look at for sure. Could be a little bit early uh, in this overall process. At the time of this recording, I think uh, this has just happened three or four weeks ago. So, But are there any positive aspects or lessons that you've gained from the experience that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Sure. This is a hard one sometimes for people to hear because sometimes it can be kind of crappy, Mark. Um, but I'm a firm believer things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day it happened, I was like, crap, yeah. <laughs> I'm human. Uh, yeah. But I, I, again, I'm saying this, that this is happening for a reason because I'm going to land someplace else. Um, like I said, I've been through three mergers and acquisitions. This is the third time my position has been phased out and I've always landed on my feet and I know that I will land on my feet. It's just a matter of being patient and taking the time to find the position that's going to be the right fit for me personally, as well as professionally. Um, And so when I hear people saying, I got to go get a job, I got to go get a job. It's like, yes, you do need to go get a job, but, but, but you don't have to take the first thing that's there. At least I hope you don't have to take the first thing that's offered to you because You do want to explore your options and hopefully you're interviewing for multiple companies at the same time and you can hear what the offers are and then make the determination um, based on how things went with the interview process and the benefits and everything and and the job responsibilities. Like, what are you going to be doing that's going to make you want to stay with this organization year after year? Yeah, you're too good. You're too experienced. You have you're too connected for this to not turn into something positive for you. Right. Uh, but like you said, you're human and you have good days and bad days. And and some days, <clears throat> I, you know, the, the other thing too, that, that people should be aware of is that January just by nature is kind of a depressing month. I mean, it yeah, just I'm not is. an outdoorsy woman, Mark. So it's not like I'm skiing and snowshoeing. And plus I live in North Carolina. We don't get much snow. Um, but, but even if I lived up North, um, you know, I'm not going to be on the ski slopes of Vermont or something. (laughs) It's just not in me. One of the things that I'm concerned about, and you tell me what your perspective is on this. Do you feel like there's a trend in the industry towards organizations dissolving their resilience program? Or do you think what happened to you was kind of an odd one-off? No, I don't think it's an odd one-off, Mark. Um, I also had gone through this similarly in 2021 with a previous employer that I had. And, you know, we were still in COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know in 2021, there were a lot of experienced people within our profession who were being let go for reasons that, you know, would leave you sitting, scratching your head. Like, really, that's the reason why you let me go. Um, and, And I think it was, again, you had... During COVID, I think a lot of people within our profession experience, like, you know, Mark uh, was the primary person who was the business continuity person at company A. And all of a sudden, then it was like Margaret Millett then came in, was in charge of business continuity and wasn't in tune with everything that the team who runs BCP day in, day out was doing. Therefore, it seemed like there was a disconnect on what they thought the new person who was managing BCP during COVID thought it should be. And it's one of those perceived things of like, we can all, we all know what it should be like to go bake a cake. But if you're trying to bake a cake day after day after day as a professional baker, there's things that you don't necessarily know being a novice. And so therefore you've got somebody that's looking at things and thinking like, well, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? And 
and or like, hey, you should do an exercise four times a year. Well, it's like, well, that would be lovely to do. However, if you have limited resources supporting a program, it's very hard. And I, I'll say this to you, Mark, you've been around the block. Um, business continuity teams are really small. You go yeah. look at the number of people at organizations who support HR, finance and legal, and it's hundreds compared to a handful. Um, so and yeah. we are the ones who also touch every line of business. But yet we get asked to do more and more and more. So you're you're trying to spread a lot of peanut butter to the best of your ability. And you're putting the peanut butter where you think it needs to go based on what you know is going to get looked at from an audit perspective, whether it be internally or externally or what clients want. So I, I do see that. And also I can tell you in my search right now, at this point in time in 2024, a lot of people also are reaching out to me saying, hey, I'm in a similar situation. Really? So I think it's 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 just happening to everybody, Mark, that it's ebbs and flows on what's happening with continuity teams. And the people, I also know some of the people are reaching out to me right now, they're senior people within our profession. How about that? And and I mentioned this to you uh, off <coughs> camera before we started that if it can happen to Margaret Millet, it can happen to anybody. I mean, this is this is crazy. Well, and, and when all this transpired, uh, somebody said to me, um, well, you know, you just got the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I was like, yes, I did, but it doesn't come with a job offer. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> that's right. It's music time. I'm going to ask you this. Maybe this will uh, uh, be a little bit uh, lighter part of the uh, of the okay. interview. If you had a chance to pick a song that was going to be played when you walk to the podium to speak, what song are you going to choose and why? Oh, that's a no-brainer for me, Mark. I love that. All right, go ahead. Tell me. I have uh, been a U2 fan since day one. Um, I have had the privilege of uh, seeing them live and in performance uh, numerous times um, here in the United States. But uh, for my <clears throat> 39th birthday, um, I was actually in Dublin, Ireland, uh, got to see them perform at Crow Park in Dublin. And if I had to pick my song, it would be Beautiful Day. Wow. Love that. It's such a good song. It is. And you know what? Um such appropriate uh, lyrics too for not only what you're going through right now, but just everybody in general. And uh, I love that. And uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Hey, how can people connect with you, Margaret? I'm on LinkedIn, Mark. Uh, I am always online pretty much seven days a week, checking out something. So if you want to reach out to me, please feel free to, to drop me a line. Um, look forward to connecting with you on LinkedIn. I will also this year at this point in time be at DRJ Springworld and Continuity Insights. And who knows where else my conference travels will take me to this calendar year. Well, I will see you in a couple of months in Orlando for sure. Okay. And you're a member of the Resilience Think Tank. You should come, by the way, to our um, <laughs> workshops that we're doing on uh, cyber crisis management. And uh, we look forward to that as well. But I always look forward to seeing you. And to, to use your song, thank you for doing this. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Look forward to seeing you in Orlando. Special thanks to our guest, Margaret Millett, for being so open and talking to us about the difficulties of finding yourself on the job market so unexpectedly. Uh, I want to point out also that Margaret has a webinar coming up with the Resilience Think Tank on February 1st. This is a special event. You won't want to miss it. Go to ResilienceThinkTank.com to learn more. The Resilient Journey is a Resilience Think Tank production. Next, we come joined by a member of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Mental Health Association. And we'll talk about mental health, particularly during this difficult time of year. 
We'll talk about mental health in the workplace and the use of technology and some interesting developments that are coming when it comes to mental health diagnosis. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey. The heart is a blue. Space to win in this town, you're out of love.